0: Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, Birds Down Under fans. We have a bonus show today, and thankfully, we have got with us the very special guest star, Mr. Matthew Cause. Matthew, good afternoon, good evening to you. How are you?
1: Good afternoon. I'm doing well. It's 4.44 p.m. Eastern Standard Time here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada.
0: Great. Well, we are here today, everybody, to discuss the massive Divisional round conference or divisional game coming up between the New York Giants versus the Philadelphia Eagles And I figured you know what we needed to solve our audio problems from the last Matt podcast So we're trying a completely different platform today called Riverside and Riverside is hopefully going to remove our audio problems so Maddie, um, let's get stuck in on actually, you know what for any listener who hasn't heard a previous Matt cause pod cast on mine. Do you want to just introduce yourself again?
1: Sure. Absolutely. Hello. Um, I'm a radio host for uh, in Toronto for TSN. TSN is the ESPN of Canada. So I'm a daily talk show host there covering all sports, uh, but certainly a, uh, a lot of it is on football. I write for the CFL and I have a wine podcast on the side. Oh, and the CFL is the Canadian Football League. I should mention that.
0: Excellent. And you and I have happened to be friends since we were little kids. And we happen to have been fans of the Philadelphia Eagles and New York Giants, uh, respectively, for uh, over 30 years. So, um, you know, I I think it's pretty cool that we are here talking about a playoff game. It's been a little while since the last time our two teams played a meaningful game in the playoffs. So let's get stuck in here. Um, I think probably how I'd like to handle this today is just kind of go over matchups that are interesting to you or concern you. Certainly, you know, looking and listening to other podcasts this week and kind of looking at some of the footage of some of your games, um, you know, I feel like the Eagles are playing the Giants at the worst possible time. You guys have really, you know, one really interesting observation that I've been, I've made uh, is how much Wink Martindale, your really talented defensive coordinator and experienced defensive coordinator, has adjusted his scheme in the last few weeks because I'm sure you know this, but the Giants in the first portion of the season were the heaviest blitzing team in the National Football League. And for the listeners who don't know what that means, yeah. that means sending you know, lots of people to try and tackle the other team's quarterback. The Giants were number one in the league for blitz percentage. And in the last five weeks, Wink has completely backed that off. Um, and your kind of percentages, blitz percentages are right where the rest of the league is. You're playing a lot more zone. So right out of the gate there, Your coaching staff is incredible. Let's just discuss them for a minute. So uh, Canadian Brian Dayball and your defensive coordinator, Wink Martindale.
1: Yeah, I think the the biggest thing. When it comes to uh, the coaching staff and Brian Dayball is he had one job, and that was to cut down the turnovers for Daniel Jones. And it's been remarkable. And the first game of the year where they beat the Titans on a last second two point conversion, Earlier in that game, there was a bad interception thrown by Daniel Jones in the end zone targeting Saquon Barkley, and Dayball freaked out at him, full yelling, face red, and you wonder, well, how is Daniel Jones going to handle it? And he handled it brilliantly. So it, it starts there. Also, their offensive coordinator isn't even a friend of Brian Dayball. We see this all the time with coaches. They bring in people they know, friends, people they've worked with for the last 20 years. He brought in Kafka, I think Mike Kafka. Who was a complete like? You didn't have a great relationship with Dayball, but it just speaks to the confidence and the lack of ego on the Giants' head coach. It's he's going to win Coach of the Year. He absolutely deserves it, and they're doing well with the defensive coordinator
0: who has the same name as 70s game show host. <laughs> he really does. Um, Mike Kafka, though, was a really sought-after offensive coordinator. So when you guys got him from the Chiefs, that was a real coup. And, Maddie, did you know that Mike Kafka was drafted as a quarterback by the, none other than the Philadelphia Eagles back, like, I want to say, 15 years ago at least? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I, I totally
1: remember that. Actually, speaking of random uh, Eagles quarterbacks, uh, for pe- people they go and they listen to my show today uh, for Friday, I mentioned the po- your podcast. And at one point, I'm like, wait a minute, Sam Bradford started 14 games for the
0: Eagles? Totally forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, and then we fleeced the Vikings for a first-round pick for Mr. Sammy Sleeves. So, uh, sorry, Samantha Sleeves, I should be. Uh, yeah, so that's his next name, by the way. That was not. Yeah. I did not anoint this for the listeners who might not like that name. I did not come up with that. I just think it's clever. Um So, yeah, Matt, right out of the gate, I completely agree with you. I think Brian Dayball is absolutely, to me, the front runner for Coach of the Year. As great a job as Doug Peterson and Kyle Shanahan have done, I feel like Brian's done something to completely change the culture of your team.
1: Oh, yeah. And he didn't have the same level of talent that Shanahan is dealing with. And, by the way, Doug Peterson's been great. You know, was great in that game, the playoff win over the Chargers. But it should be Brian Dayball. This team, you know, they've had the worst record since uh, the Giants' last playoff game where they lost to the Packers. No team's had a worse one-loss record than the Giants. It's not like the cupboards were full. This isn't like what Todd Bowles came into with the Jets. This was a bad team um, in terms of overall talent. So dayball
0: deserves it. Yeah, completely agree. Um, so a, a couple of matchups that I look at that I say, oh, I don't love that." I, I, I don't love um the new, not the new, but Daniel Jones playing the way he is. It's like playing Jalen Hurts, like a bigger version of Jalen Hurts. So I, I don't, I don't love what I saw against the Vikings because I think you guys present massive challenges from a matchup standpoint when Daniel Jones is playing. Because in that first Giants game that you played against us. Things just didn't work for you guys. The running game wasn't clicking, and then that, I think it kind of affected that had a trickle down effect on all the things that I think Daniel Jones would have wanted to do. But in watching that, oh, yeah, they got game, in watching that Vikings game, you guys were in such complete control through that RPO game, and and I mean, you said it to you said it on our group chat afterwards. It's the best game Daniel Jones has ever played. He just presents all sorts of uh, matchup nightmares. And you know, what do, what's your views on Daniel Jones right now?
1: It's, it's changed completely. At the beginning of the year, I'm like, this is his last year. Don't give him an extension. And then watching that game against Minnesota, and it needs to be said, Minnesota is horrible defensively. Uh, the, the Jets had their best day offensively against Minnesota. So you have to take it with a grain of salt. But he just looks so comfortable and confident throwing downfield. And what I also noticed is, for the first time in ages, I like the Giants' offensive line. Andrew Thomas, who had been a bust, a high first-round pick, is looking great. Their rookie Evan Neal did the job. So for me, this all started with the offensive line. You know, then you go to the guy Kenny Galladay, who they gave seventy million dollars to, and he's done one thing all year, and he lay, which was laying a great block. So I'm I'm wildly impressed with Daniel Jones. I'm now at the point where I think he does deserve a contract extension. He's not as good of a passer as Jalen Hurts, um, but he will present problems running the ball. The Eagles weren't great at stopping the run by a quarterback and and that stack it's a little is a little you got to be careful because any team that played against justin fields their numbers when it came to defending quarterback rushes obviously got spiked a bit but i've never seen daniel jones look this good before yeah
0: he looked exceptional i would agree with your offensive line it's definitely playing really strong football right now. And I think one of the, the really intriguing matchups is the Eagles pass rush um, with their gaudy sack numbers against your your guys, your, particularly your tackles. Although, let's be honest, interior yeah. offensive line you know, can present problems as well. Jayvon Hoggrave on our side had 11 sacks from the tackle position. So um, I think... Uh, both teams, you know, both teams can send and get a lot of pressure home. You guys, you know, as I say, have kind of adapted your scheme this year. Although anybody who watched that week 18 game where you, we were playing your subs, you sent a lot of pressure. It was effective. Um, you sent more men like Eagles were going empty backfield. And for the listeners, that means it's Jalen Hurts back there and five offensive linemen. And the Giants were pretty smart. They're like, we're going to send six rushers. You do not have six people to block our rushers. And you were getting people home. Um, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see if Martindale, I, I personally think your defensive coordinator is going to give the Eagles both looks. You're going to play a lot of zone at the beginning to make it hard for Jalen to get open running lanes. But then I have I, I, I have no doubt we're going to see a, some aggressive blitzing at stages and where you're going to let your corners kind of um, do their thing. And your, uh, your talented corner was not playing in week 14 when we beat you guys. Um, Jackson from X-Titan.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Dory Jackson, and
1: yeah, he's back. He wasn't there in that Week 14 at one of the biggest blowouts of the
0: of the yeah, year. Yeah, but I mean, he's a key member of that defense, and he's your best cover corner. So you know, if you can put him on an island with AJ Brown or Devontae Smith, that allows your defense to be really. It's a disaster um dexter lawrence let's talk about him for a minute you guys drafted him in the mid of the first round i want to say in 2019 he's a massive defensive tackle for the listeners who are not familiar with dexter lawrence uh he was a game wrecker against the vikings talk to us about his development because i feel like this year he's really come on
1: oh yeah absolutely and yeah he was 17th overall back in 2019 career high seven and a half sacks um career high forced fumbles and Whenever, if you go back and look, I'll just talk about one play. The Kirk Cousins final throw, where it was fourth and eight, and he threw the ball like three yards. That was because of Dexter Lawrence. That was because of the pressure that he applied up the middle, making Cousins uncomfortable, forcing Cousins to throw the ball sooner than what he he wanted to. And we see this a lot with defensive linemen. Not everyone is Aaron Donald. You know, some guys, they take they take longer to develop. I think defensive linemen in general take longer than, say, corners or linebackers. And Dexter Lawrence is coming into his own. And, you know, he's just he has been an absolute terror. I think it helps uh, when he, Leonard Williams is playing well, when he's got Leonard Williams next to him. You know, the, the strength of the Giants is really those two guys and what we've seen from Thibodeau as well. If the Giants are going to hang with the Eagles, it's going to be because of those three names.
0: Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I, I heard a really interesting stat about Dexter Lawrence yesterday. He had something like 25 quarterback pressures from the zero technique, which is nose tackle for everybody who's not, you know, really into the weeds of football, which means he's head up against the center of the opposing team. And in this case, that would be Jason Kelsey. Um, and traditionally, it's a hard Ooh. position to get a lot of pass rush from. But, Matt, I don't know if you've heard this yeah. stat. Lawrence had 25 furries from the zero technique nose tackle position, and the next closest player was like six. That's incredible. I had not heard that
1: stat. That's, I mean, for the listeners, uh, your, your host, Tom Longhurst, also played a lot of defensive tackle at a high level at the collegiate level here in Ontario. And when you're in that technique, you're not like, they don't have, you, that's not about sacks. That is about eating up, trying to eat up two offensive linemen and letting your teammates do it. It's, it's a wildly altruistic role, but I hadn't heard that number. That's crazy.
0: You're right, and I did play a whole season at nose tackle, and I, I don't think I produced any pass rush the whole season. It's really difficult, but it, it, it's a testament to the fact that he's pretty savvy because, you know, as a nose tackle, Matt, you're right, it is pretty selfless. Oftentimes you're trying to eat up additional blockers for everybody else, so you're trying to you know make sure a center and a guard is having to occupy your space. Um, so a, he's probably going through two blockers when he's doing this and B, you also have to be really able to read what the offensive line's trying to do to you as a nose tackle. So the fact that he's accomplishing what he's doing is it shows he's pretty cerebral as well. So, um, I think he's a massive matchup problem for us as great as Jason Kelsey is Jason Kelsey is about 70 pounds or, you know, 30 kilos less, um, than Dexter Lawrence. So I think Dexter can just, you know, he can, he can push any center back in the league into that pocket.
1: Okay. Yeah. By the way, I, I enjoyed that you kilos. Tom, I feel there's a bit of a reverse jinx going on. We also need to bring up the fact, I know the Eagles haven't played that well in the last month. And the big concern of Philly is obviously the health of Jalen Hurts and Lane Johnson. But Philly for 75% of the season, we're kicking everyone's ass. And, you know, between A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith and Dallas Goddard and your And your offensive line and Fletcher Cox, who you haven't mentioned, and Hassan Riddick. You know, as as great of a story as it's been for the Giants, if they don't keep this game
0: close in the first half, this game could get ugly. It's very fair. Um, We came damn close to beating the all-time NFL sack record in a season. Um, So most sacks since a team since the 1989 Vikings, which is pretty shocking. And that happened in 16. Wow. Yeah, Yeah, I don't know if you knew that, but... We had uh sixty something odd sacks. Well, we're the first team in NFL history to have ten sacks out of four individual players. So, Hassan Reddick ended up having uh, sixteen sacks. Josh Sweat and uh, Javon Hargrave had eleven each, and Brandon Graham had ten. So, uh, or actually maybe eleven. Some of those may be slightly higher. So, that's the first time in NFL history that's happened. Um, yeah, our pass rush is absolutely relentless. However. If you look at the games where the Eagles either lost or didn't play as well, it was against teams that played ball control on offense. The Commanders comes to mind when they beat the Eagles. They held the ball for like three quarters of the game. And if you're just, if you're always playing third and three, third and four, and you're playing manageable third downs, it doesn't allow our defense to get in your face the way they would like to. And it's the same with the Cowboys. I think in that respect, you play the Cowboys and Eagles defense similarly because you do not want to be in third and long against either defense. Um, and so, yeah, it's going to be a massive part of this game as is, is to how you guys block us up. Um, and Hassan Reddick, I, I think he's, you know, he's our prime pass rusher. And if he doesn't have a big game, um, you know, Josh Sweat, I don't know if you know this, Matt, but he actually, uh, against the Saints, was carted off on a neck board because people thought he'd broken his neck. Um, and so this is his first game back. And you do wonder how effective he'll be just psychologically, knowing the last time. Like, oh you yeah,
1: know, it does factor in, you know. Oh, of course it does. We we watch football and just assume these these huge hulking things are are not human, and 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 often we have that barrier of empathy, just not only because they're larger than us, but they make a lot more money. But yeah, they're human as anyone else, and you know maybe they're watching that Bills Bengals game, and and maybe some of those thoughts could
0: be going through their head as well. Yeah, so no, that's a good point. Let's talk about one matchup I do think you guys are going to struggle with. You guys have not done well against tight ends all year, and you did really well against Justin Jefferson, the star receiver from the Vikings last week. But TJ Hawkinson, their tight end, had a huge day. 10 catches, 129 yards, I want to say. I think Dallas Goddard didn't play in Week 14, and Adore Jackson didn't play in Week 14. And those those are two key components for both teams, right? Your best cover corner, our best pass-catching tight end, and best blocking tight end. Um, so Dallas God, Goddard, to me, is going to have a big game. And I, I think, um, you know, it's easy to focus on A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, but I think Goddard is going to give you more problems. Oh,
1: absolutely. He is. The worst part of the Giants is their, is their linebackers. Like every week I got to go and look up who they are again. And that that's how bad they are. And there I was I forget who was saying this, the worst individual unit left in the playoffs might be the giants linebackers and it's weird they've been like this for ages where they've never been good against the tight end doesn't matter who the coordinator is so you're absolutely right um from a betting perspective his over under total for yards and people can bet on how many yards any player will get his total went up by like five yards within a day and that sort of shift in the gambling world is crazy so he's up to like the, the the average they're expecting is 52 and a half I, i'll say this if he goes off but aj brown and devonta smith are kept in check i think i would take that trade off yeah
0: because if if you if you have held both those two in check that means you've avoided the long play and, and probably invariably if you've two yeah. receivers in check And um, yeah, I mean, if you do it, it'll be impressive because that has been something that, you know, we have generally had one of those two receivers have a good game every every game this season um, with one or two exceptions. So, uh, yeah, it's certainly a key to the game. And, and, you know, the Eagles offense is a little bit of pick your poison uh, because when Jalen's healthy, and I think the question is he's not on the injury report, but how how healthy is his shoulder? I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me if the first play of the game was not a, a read-pass option and Jalen keeps it and has a run to intentionally show the Giants, hey, guess what? I'm, I'm healthy. But, you know, the Giants, if if Jalen plays like he did against the Bears, which is where he got hurt and he was taking big shots, you will be able to get hits on him. And I, I think that will be a real problem for him to kind of maintain a high level of play throughout the game if that happens. And Jalen Smith's a good example. You're linebacker. So, um, for our listeners, he was you know, a pro bowler for the Dallas Cowboys and was making a lot of money. Cowboys decide to cut him. He gets picked up by the Packers, really doesn't do anything there. And I I don't know, he maybe bounced, bounced around a little bit, ends up with the Giants. I've been impressed with Jalen Smith, I have to say. Like he's super physical in the running game. And um, yeah, maybe you don't want him lined up against mobile tight ends. But um, Jalen Smith, to me, looks like he's really had a second win with you guys. A- any thoughts on on him?
1: He's not bad. Jalen Smith would have been better in nineteen ninety three than two thousand and twenty three. You know, like he's you know he's good against the run, but that's not as important. And also, when you're trying to chase down a Jalen Hurts, he's been like yeah, he's been fine. Maybe yeah. I'm I'm a little bit more jaded. I think the interesting thing, and you were sort of alluding to it, is can Jalen Hurts put away the machismo? Can he put away the ego? He's like, oh, you guys think, are you going to try to intimidate me? Intimidate this. And then just runs at Thibodeau and goes head first. If, I think the smarter thing for Harris is look at all the talent around him. Let everyone else do the hard work. Channel your inner Brock Purdy and just let all the talent, you know, beat the Giants.
0: Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. And, and I think it's, it's, this whole thing's a chess match, right? And particularly with a coaching staff as savvy as yours. Um, it really is going to be, you know, Wink Martindale is going to look at this and say, OK, I, I assume that we're going to get this flavor of the Eagles attack here because of X, Y, Z. Um, but he, he will pivot in the game. So if it's quite, um, quite evident that Jalen Hurts is playing with a shoulder that's no longer bothering him, um, Wink will adjust. Right. And I have no doubt that we are yep. not the same game plan out of the Giants that we did in week 14. I certainly hope not
1: that uh, that was a game I turned off pretty early.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I think that was actually the Eagles' most complete game of the year against you guys. So that's hard, right? That's hard to replicate that again, particularly on a coaching staff. Because for the listeners, there are some defensive coordinators in particular out there. And Ed Donatel, who just got fired from the Vikings, is a good example of this, where they, they play their system, they run their system, and they don't change. And they don't change for matchups or other schemes or philosophies. And I don't think, like, one of the things that you look at with big Bill Belichick teams, he would always adjust. On offense and defense, and yeah. you always get Belichick's, Belichick's strategy always was whatever you're good at, we're going to take away. Um, but that would mean that it would adjust for every team. If a team had a start receiver, they'd take that away. If they had a, a great running game, they'd take that away. I see a lot of kind of Belichick's philosophy because Brian Dable Brian was with Bill, I think, with the Patriots back like 10, 15 years ago. Is that true? I'd have, I'd
1: have to go back. I'd have to go back and look. I'm pretty sure yeah, he came
0: through the Patriots in one stage. Um, Nick Saban loved him, which is why he got back to Alabama. Um, so I I think we will see that out of the Giants. Is that sort of flexible philosophy here of like, okay, you, you've beaten us before, but we're absolutely going to adjust here and we're going to try and take something away that you're you're good at. So that that wouldn't surprise me if we see that. Um, I'm I'm just curious about the shoulder of Jalen Hurts. In the end, that's
1: I, I think it's it's so simplistic. But if I was going to just do if I was going to just break it down to one sentence, it's how is that sent? How is that shoulder? Yeah,
0: there's two keys to the game for the Eagles. It's Jalen Hurts' his shoulder and uh, Lane Johnson's adductor. So he has a torn adductor, which is kind of like a torn groin. He will play, um, but nobody knows how long he can be effective with that with that injury. Um, is it just something that's a pain threshold thing, or is it actually going to limit him? I've had like a long term groin injury that I played on at Laurier in university that was you know. You, you could play, play in and play out on it. But as soon as you went to go off the field, you looked like you were crippled. Um, so I, I think his is more severe, a torn adductor. But um, that's going to be key, right? Because your pass rush is good. Yeah. Uh, Og- Ogilari, I think, plays generally over on against the right tackle and Thibodeau's against the left tackle. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. So everyone, um, Kayvon Thibodeau, I mentioned him in one of our previous podcasts. Very talented rookie out of Oregon. He's a defensive end. He lines up against our beloved Jordan Malata, So um, I think the matchup of Jordan Malata against your very talented first-round pick, Kayvon Thibodeau, is a, is a real key to the game. Um, Matt, what, have you, what are your views of Kayvon this year? He's had, he's had a great rookie season. He has. He's, um, you know, it started slow because he had some,
1: you know, had some injuries. And again, you know, sometimes it takes a while for pass rushers to get going. But, you know, what I like about the most about him is that you just, you notice him. Even if he's not getting the sack uh, or even it's considered an official pressure, he's making he's making quarterbacks think he's making quarterbacks uncomfortable. And he finished, you know, he had three sacks in the last four games uh, of of the regular season. And just, you know, you see the flashes, you see the potential of this guy. And, you know, he was taken fifth overall. And it feels like that was the right pick.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I think you, you've got great value there with him. All right, let's do this. Um, let's do for you the, the the offensive and defensive key to the game. If the Giants are going to beat the Eagles, what what do you have to do on offense and what do you have to do on defense?
1: On offense, you got to convert on third down. Uh, you know, you, you you talked before about how the Eagles aren't great against the against the grinded out teams. You mentioned the commanders. You've got to win third down because I think Philly can wear down the Giants defense. So they're going to need that break. Get those third downs, keep the drives going, and just frustrate Philly. You know, that, that's how upsets happen is um, you know, is get out to an early lead, but hold on to the ball. And if you and if the other offense, if Jalen Hurts is sitting there on the bench for like an eight-nine play drive, then maybe he's like, okay, guys, let's get this all in one or two plays. That's where uh, that's where mistakes happen. So that's the main thing I want to see on uh, on offense, on the defense, just tackle, you know, uh, maybe I could say stop Boston Scott who always seems to kill the Giants, but just just tackle guys uh, try to limit the, the yards after catch. Because, I mean, your team has so many playmakers.
0: Wink Martindale does not like, by the way, the suggestion that Boston Scott is a giant killer. I don't know if you saw that press conference this week, but Wink was not impressed. And he said, Boston Scott is not a giant killer. So just, uh, just to clarify Wink's <laughs> position on that. Um, I couldn't agree more with you. I think if you guys are able to grind it out um, and win the time of possession battle and keep yourself on manageable third downs, you're going to be really hard to beat and I don't think we saw a a totally healthy Saquon the last time like our last regular season game where the starters played yeah I don't think we saw a healthy Saquon and I think the offense struggled as well also Ian Hodges at that stage your receiver who you picked up off the Bills practice squad I think he that was maybe even his first start against the Eagles that game he's really come into his own and I think um, that's a great story for people who don't know so this guy was on a practice squad at Buffalo. And practice squad means you don't you don't dress on the game day. Um, you're kind of on the the feeder team that comes and gets pulled up sometimes, but oftentimes never gets called up and never plays in a regular season game. The Giants recognize this guy's got talent. Bring him up. You guys put him in as a starter, I think, week 13, um, or maybe even it was that Eagles game. And he's really, I mean, he had a huge game against the Vikings. I think that's a big matchup because he's, huh. he's 6'4", and I, I have a real respect for his game. Oh God, yeah. He looked. He looked like he, he just.
1: He looked like he'd been on the team for years against Minnesota. And Tom, you're sort of underselling the story. No other team claimed him. The Buffalo Bills released him. Thirty other teams said thanks, but no thanks. And the Giants are like, yeah, we'll take him because Brian Dayball knew about him from his time in Buffalo. So it's 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 a crazy story involving him, and the, he's going to be important. Because it's it's one of the biggest weaknesses of the Giants. They don't have any receivers. Darius Slayton's okay, but he dropped that critical third down that could have come back to haunt the Giants against the Vikings. And, I, you know, Kenny Galladay, I joke about, he made one great block. And the reason I know this is it's the only thing he's done all year.
0: Yeah. It is an amazing story. You're right. I think it probably deserves more. Uh, but it was worth calling out one way or another. And and you're right. Brian Dable has obviously an eye for talent, knowing that that guy was stashed on the Bills practice squad and to make a move and then make him a starter. I mean, it's pretty pretty astounding story. Oh, oh yeah, I mean,
1: he got targeted like eight times
0: in that game yeah absolutely so for me the keys to the eagles winning is actually doing the same to you guys so that we play ball control that we control the clock and we don't get away from our running game because in too many games this season shane steichen has not had balance that's our offensive coordinator and you know you've seen you know the cowboys game is a good example like we had we had no we had no carries like miles sanders um that game actually the saints game was even more glaring miles sanders had like two carries in the first half and you're like what are we doing Like, we have a big, brutish one who can run block as well as anybody. Like, why on earth are we, like, passing, passing, passing? And it was even more asinine, you know, when you had Gardner Minshew as as the quarterback. So, I actually really want to see the Eagles not shy away from Dexter Lawrence in the middle of your defense, even though it is a strength, and and play the same style of offense against you that you're going to do against us. Because I think, actually, both teams are going to end up looking similar. I think you're going to play a lot of RPO, run-pass option stuff with Daniel Jones – Um, I think he's going to play a similar game to Jalen Hurts, assuming Jalen's going to run. So I think both offenses are going to try and do to one another the same thing. And, you know, to address the we don't have a big, big name wide receiver, that's actually oftentimes a a real strength, right? Because the Eagles have no one they can really key on and say, we have to shut down Justin Jefferson because he's going to get the lion's share of your catches. Your offense doesn't work that way. So it can be a lot harder to stop that as a result.
1: Oh, yeah. Sometimes quarterbacks, they feel the need to feed one guy and then it sort of disrupts the offense as a whole. Also, I think like the Giants are a seven and a half point underdog. They should be the clear underdog in this game. And for the Giants, they're going to need to keep this game close. This is not going to be like what the Jaguars did against the Chargers, because San Diego is a horribly coached team. San Diego doesn't run the ball and San Diego should have just if they had ball controlled that second half, they would have won. If the Eagles get out to that kind of lead, then it's going to be that massive offensive line. It's going to be Miles Sanders. It's going to be the New York butcher, Boston Scott, and and then it's going to be just a.
0: It's going to be like a game you might want to turn on. Yeah, well, I'll say this: if the Eagles lose this game, it'll look something like you guys have two thirds of the time of possession, and the Eagles were negative yeah. in the turnover margin. That that's to me how this game will look if the Eagles lose.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Giants plus one, plus two in the turnover margin. Uh, 38 minutes and saquon bark saquon Barkley had a massive day and and Daniel Jones has converted a bunch of third downs with his feet
0: yeah I agree I think that's that's the key to your success and you know for my listeners out on this like I, none of us should be going into this overconfident I think you know anybody who watched the second game where we were playing Giants backups the whole time the Eagles wanted to win that game now they played a kind of vanilla offense but that game was close like we we, we, uh, we almost lost the- Backups, and I think that's a a testament to how much the the team had adjusted from week fourteen to week eighteen.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was. It was. Oh, god. It It was such such a different such a different game. By the way, how about we give a shout out to the NFC East? Think about whatever your expectations were for this division at the beginning of the year, compared to say the AFC West versus where we are now. It is. It. It is a stunner from a big picture NFL
0: topic. Oh, Matt. I mean, it's, well, it's, I think it's unprecedented that three of four teams from one um, division are in the divisional round. I, I'm pretty sure I read that. That's never happened before. So to have three of the four yeah. the NFC yeah. remaining from the NFC, so I don't think it's ever happened. Um, you, you may want to fact check it, but I'm pretty confident I read or, or heard that. So you're right. It it's a long, it's a long, it seems to be a long time ago. We used to be the NFC least. Um, but, and, 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 you know, if the, if the commanders had competent coaching and hadn't brought in Carson Wentz, you know, they, they were a good team. So, I mean, they had a
1: winning record. They, I I think they
0: had, I think, did they go nine, eight and one
1: or. Or, uh, wait, that's too many games. Uh, they might have gone, like, I think they went 8-8 and one or something. Like, I don't think they had a lo- – none of the teams had a losing record.
0: Yeah, we, we're all a tough out. I mean, every one of those teams, you know, could beat really, really good teams or, or blow out really good teams on a regular basis. So, yeah, it's it's a real testament to how the NFC East has kind of turned itself around. And uh, But, you know, in, in most cases, it's because, you know, I think Nick Sirianni, his staff have done a great job, and Brian Dayball and his staff have done a great job. Um, so some really good coaching jobs. I think some general managers have done a good job drafting. There's quite a lot of talent, younger talent in the NFC East, and uh, it makes a difference.
1: Yeah, it does. And we, I guess, I've been joking on air that we all owe an apology to uh, to Mike McCarthy to get all those wins when you know Dak Prescott was out for you know
0: was out for like five games. I believe. Oh yeah, I mean they the Cowboys were playing exceptional football um when they lost their starter and look at the eagles the eagles lost their starter and lost both games um including a game they should have won against the saints so anybody who thinks it's easy to go 5-0 and with a backup quarterback isn't paying attention to how the league really works these days because the brock purdy stories are pretty far and few between or few and far between yep absolutely all right maddie um listen i'm gonna ask you for your prediction here What? uh how do you think this thing is gonna end um,
1: I'll give the prediction I gave on air. I think the Eagles win, but the Giants cover. So I, I think this is a close game. I'm going to go like 27, 27, for Philadelphia.
0: Yeah. I think it could be, I, I, I think that's a very likely outcome. This is a close game. I definitely don't see a blowout coming. On, and, um, I, I do think that, uh, the turnovers and time of possession will be the difference. Um, uh, I, I think I would agree. I think it'll be, you know, something like a 30, 24 type score, um, keeping it close. I don't think that the Eagles will cover either. So uh, you and I are both in agreement, but um, well, it's exciting. And uh, yeah, you know, it's cool for me. And and so again, I said this on my last podcast, I'm going to have a bunch of friends over. My dad's going to be, you know, watching the game live with me, got my daughters throwing on their Devonte Smith jerseys. Um, Cause we, <laughs> we get to watch this on a Sunday. We get to the start time here is 12, 15 on a Sunday. We never get to watch football on a Sunday here. So it's. Uh, oh, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, it's super cool. And, the fact, and so my one daughter has her birthday party tomorrow morning, which is from 10 to 12. And been uh, an earlier game, I was going to be in the midst of a kid's birthday party, which I'm obviously not going to miss. So uh, a lot of th- <laughs> a lot of things have kind of lined up to make this possible.
1: Oh, that's great. Now, I, I wish I, I wish I had uh, Amazoned day uh, old school Lawrence Taylor jersey for one of your daughters. That would have been fun. Yeah, well, it,
0: it may not get worn. I'm just going to be honest with you. But they do have nice matching Devontae Smith jerseys. So, uh, you know, I've so my current jerseys, I've still got a, a Fletcher Cox, I've got an AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, and Jordan Malata. And I always kind of think about the matchups and what player has to play the most key role for the Eagles to win. And uh, you know, I'm not sure who I go with. I, I think um I think I may say Devontae Smith because AJ Brown's the obvious choice. Um has been hard to shut down in his own right this year, so I think I might go with a matching Three-way Devontae Smith uh, trio with my daughters tomorrow.
1: I I disagree. I think you should go with a uh, Hoyer jersey, Shad Mamula. You know, you got to go with one of those. Uh,
0: I do have a lot of uh, old school jerseys, which would be an interesting wear. I well, I've got friends coming, to my jersey, so I may I may force somebody to wear a Mike Mamula jersey if they want to wear one of my jerseys. Nice. Well, hey, uh, Bobby Hoang, I never had a jersey of, by the way. I had a t-shirt of Bobby Hoang. I did not have his jersey, just to clarify listeners. I have a lot of weird jerseys. I do not have a Bobby Hoang jersey. He was a starter for about like nine games for the Eagles, um, maybe 10, and uh, you know, never really did. They, I think the Raiders picked him up and he was out of the league in like a year so. Anyway, I digress. Matt, um, thank you so much for joining us. This has been a long one, but it's been nice to unpack the matchup. And let's – obviously, we need to do a a, a post-game show, so I'll come back to you and figure out a time for that. But, hey, good luck tomorrow, genuinely. Um, I I think both of us just really want a good game here. And, um, you know, uh, let's see where the chips lie at the end of the game.
1: Absolutely. Good luck-ish. I'm just happy to – this is the first – this is the most excited I've been about the Giants since uh, they all posed for a picture on a boat in Miami.
0: I love it. Now, Maddie, um, we're going to stop the thing in a sec. Just a reminder, just stay on the app until the uploads happen from an audio standpoint so that we, uh, we can get this thing, the audio hopefully works out. I okay. ain't moving. All right, perfect. Well, I okay. ain't moving. I ain't touched the thing. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been great to have you, Matt. Uh, listeners, big game tomorrow. Stay loose. Get some sleep tonight. Um, stay hydrated. And uh, go Birds. All right. Thanks again, Matt. Talk to you after the game. Absolutely. Take care. See ya.